When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. It's official. Brad Stevens and the Celtics have hired their new head coach, Ime Adoka. Joining me to talk all about it is Jason, aka Celtics J. Jason, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Good to be back, Ben. Yeah, good to have you back. Look, look, let's just get right into it. Let's start with the initial Woj announcement. It was reported a few days ago that Adoka was part of the shortlist for a potential head coach hiring for the Celts. Then earlier today, Woj tweeted, the Boston Celtics are finalizing an agreement to hire Brooklyn Nets assistant coach Ime Adoka as the franchise franchise's new head coach. Jason, just your initial thoughts and reactions to this one. I'm loving this for, I think, a kind of unique reason here. One of the things that was always intriguing and exciting about Danny Ainge's tenure was how unpredictable he was. He was he was only predictable in that he was unpredictable in almost everything that he did. Draft picks, hiring staff, what have you. And so far, Brad's kept to the keeping everything close to the chest, not letting too many things leak out of the organization. But he's been doing the very anti-Ainge thing where he's being kind of predictable and just doing the sensible things, especially right out of the gate, right? Like moving on from Kemba's contract right off the bat, bringing in a solid contributor and veteran presence like Al Horford, uh, going into this decision and just picking the solid choice here. The guy that by all accounts just seems to fit and check off all of the boxes at different times. I haven't been super excited only because most of the stuff I've seen on the internet regarding Ime Odoka hasn't really showcased his personal personality very much whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the other candidates on the other hand have a lot of different video content out there but i've seen other reports too where this is a guy that's not even really on twitter like this is a guy that's just really focused on the business at hand um which stands to reason given his tenure in san antonio um and his experience overseas he's always been kind of a business first kind of player and now coach i'm excited it feels good it feels like it's the right move it seems like it's being fueled by good energy from our core players and I'm about it. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it did. It seemed like Adoka's name was, you know, pretty much in the ring from day one, and always kind of the front runner as in terms of who people in general expected it to be. Um, a Reddit user A Walker seventeen wrote, "I believe Adoka was the guy who said he likes his bigs to dictate." Uh, what the team does on defense. Horford seems like a guy I'd trust with that responsibility. Not sure about the others, of course, referring to Time Lord and Moses Brown there. Um, You mentioned that it's sort of, it was the sensible and obvious hire. He does seem apparently by all accounts to be a defensive minded coach. And, you know, I think what we saw, especially last year is it doesn't matter how talented your roster is. If your defense sucks, then your team essentially sucks. And so it's part of this sort of, I wouldn't call it a rebuild as far as the team is concerned, but sort of rebuilding some of the pieces around that core, getting a defensive foundation in there to support what they already do so well offensively, um, I think is a huge part about it. Um, Woj also tweeted out sort of after the initial news that Adoka 
separated himself quickly in Brad Stevens' search process, including significant support from Celtics players who were impressed, like you touched on there uh, earlier, Jason, with Adoka after hearing, after sorry, after working under him with Team USA in the Worlds. And uh, it was also reported that the um, like the player axis, I believe they referred to it as, uh, Tatum Brown and Marcus Smart was, was sort of consulted on this hire before it was made. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about, you know, these all three guys sort of 26 and under being consulted on uh, what's, you know, a, a huge decision here for the Celtics and their team? I don't think I've been shy about my feelings regarding Marcus Smart and his, his the prospect of him being the starting point guard on this team moving forward. So I'm about this. Uh, Brad's making all of my dreams come true with all the feedback that's coming out, or rather the articles and news that's coming out right now. And it seems like Ime Odoka plays into that narrative a bit where a guy like Marcus Smart makes a lot of sense for a coach with that defensive-minded mentality. It would seem like a tough sell for that new coach to come in and know that Marcus Smart's going to be shipped out. So I think this is a good indicator that Marcus Smart is going to be sticking around, and I'm really, really amped up to witness a defensive uh, onslaught that will come from having Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and either of Al Horford or Robert Williams, and then insert whatever other player to make any particular lineup work like that is going to be a force to be reckoned with the the question is are they going to be able to move the ball on offense and that's going to come down to who does Ime Idoka surround himself with as assistance to help you know flush out that offensive you know system and design I know in San Antonio he did a lot of work with that you know motion read and react kind of offense which plays into a bit of you know Brad's philosophy that we've gotten familiar with to this point so you know again he seems to kind of match what the Celtics are doing he seems to match the 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 culture dynamic that they've been building here over the last you know couple of decades um it's it's really great to hear that Brad is getting that feedback and insight from those three players and I love that Marcus is being included in those three players because I think this is a great year and season for Marcus to really showcase everything that he's capable of doing on the court because I don't know that he's always had that opportunity I think he's always had to utilize his versatility to get minutes on the floor and he's so damn good that you 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 can't talk yourself out of putting him on the court regardless of how he's shooting on any given night so that he gets an opportunity to be a feature point guard on this squad uh I'm I'm just, I'm elated and maybe I'll end up being wrong. Maybe a lot of the folks talking about trading him as the most valuable asset now will, will be proven right. But I'd rather, I'd rather Marcus let me down in this regard than us not give him the shot because I feel like he has earned that. This guy is, has bled green from the day he's been drafted. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they consulted him in the first place or at all is probably a good sign that it will be sticking around. But having said that, he is basically part of the furniture there. He's the longest tenured Celtic, you know, perhaps that is asking him because he has a general set of expertise on the franchise. Who knows? Like maybe they'll, they'll move him anyway. But, you know, he's only played... Uh, under Brad Stevens in the NBA for his, you know, his longer tenure there. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how another coach utilizes him with, with that same squad. Um, and just in general, like I think, you know, for me and a lot of people listening that um, things that keep you up at night, you know, if you were to make a top five list, somewhere in that list is the idea that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown might one day leave the Celtics organization to sort to hear that they're being consulted on this and that we're hiring a coach that sort of is compatible with them and then their desires for, you know, what that, that role might look like, um, is really promising. Um, you mentioned his, his sort of his offensive, um, 
uh, strategies there. So there was an, there was an interview that I caught just before um, recording here that was done by uh, Coach Nick on on YouTube, where it kind of covers off on some of uh, Adoka's coaching strategies. So he does emphasize an ice heavy defense um, that he, or at least while they were in San, San Antonio, called the push defense, where they you know as as ice defenses work, where they look to prevent the middle drive and force attackers baseline. Offensively. The focus is uh, more of an uh, motion offense, uh, read and react. So, so very similar to the Brad Stevens approach there. Um, but in the interview that I saw, he, he talked about how that style of offense is much easier to coach for the young guys because the Spurs at the time had vets like Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker to help with that learning process. Um, like, how do you see him implementing that kind of offense that we, we clearly had difficulty with with Brad Stevens this year in in that lack of sort of veteran presence? How do you see him employing that? You know, with while essentially facing the same problems that we still have a relatively young roster there. I think Al Horford is is a real key difference maker here between what we saw last year, both offensively and defensively, and what we're going to see this upcoming season. And that's not to suggest that Al's going to like be all-star level Al again, because that's obviously going to be asking too much. But we're bringing in a guy that understands and has seen that read and react offense work effectively, especially under Brad Stevens. And when you're running that kind of offense, it's really advantageous to have a guy like Al in the post or high post navigating a lot of those actions, whether it's coming, you know, coming off that pop and being able to either take that open three there or attack that closeout and get in the lane and make decisions from there. For all the talk that we often have about Robert Williams being such a phenomenal passer, the one area where he always can stand to improve right now is decision making, right? Like the talent, the the born natural talent is clearly there. But the decision making that comes from experience and all of that, that's that's what we want to kind of see from Rob taking that next step. And so having a guy like Al there to kind of help develop that and move that along, this could also speak well for a guy like Grant Williams. Now, I think Grant is probably closer to, you know, semi Ojale lane right now than he is Rob Williams lane. So, I mean, we'll see if he ends up sticking around. But, you know, a, a guy that is very able to see and read and understand the game in real time where it doesn't move too fast for him. I think it's it gives him at least as fair an opportunity as he's had to this point to showcase his talent and his abilities. So I think bringing back Al is a big part of what can help make that offense sing a little bit again for the Celtics. And I think Marcus is just an underrated and underappreciated facilitator. I don't think he's really had that opportunity to be that feature guard. And I'm excited to see what he does with the opportunity. Yeah, and certainly with Grant Williams, like you, you don't have to watch him very closely to see him like barking out orders on defense. Um, we certainly oh, saw it's Rob- like he's born for it. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. he's got great energy. <laughs> yeah, we, we saw Rob growing into that sort of role uh, as well as he sort of became a more mature defensive anchor there. So if that's the angle that Adoka likes to take with his at least the defensive side of his coaching, um, I do think we have some good pieces there that will fit. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. That'll work out well for those folks that have always been pining for that KG dynamic on defense to come back because that was kind of KG's role too, where he was back there calling everything out to the guys on the perimeter. So, you know, not to say that Rob is ever going to really replicate what KG did on both sides of the ball, but that he's coming with that kind of energy speaks well to, you know, where he's at in his development and what he's got to look forward and, and we have to look forward to as fans. Yeah, absolutely. A couple of other Reddit comments here very quickly. So Klopp on Klopp on wrote, not going to lie, I fist pumped. He's been my number one uh, choice since Brad stepped up to the president role there. 
and Halal Cornflakes writes, don't know much about, uh, don't know much, but from the looks of it, he seems like a good appointment, good relationship with our main guys, defensive minded. And from a couple of interviews, looks like a decent speaker and one who demands performances. So I, I did a bit of a Reddit sort of deep dive trying to find, you know, any sort of negative responses to this. There are a few people who wanted a more established, you know, prior head coach, someone like Rick Carlisle, uh, appointed. Doesn't seem like Brad's style to do that. And really the, the style of the league sort of seems to be pivoting and, you know, it's a, it's a player dominated player controlled league to put someone in there who yes, has that Popovich pedigree, like we've talked about multiple times, but also already has those pre-existing relationships with the players and the ability to cultivate new relationships with the younger players. Um, just seems like a win-win. So I couldn't really find any negatives. Um, uh, but hey. with that, are there any negatives that, that spring to mind for you? Well, with the Rick Carlisle thing, I mean, if we really want someone to yell at inanimate objects, we could probably see if Clint Eastwood's looking for work right now, right? <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, I, I think a lot of a lot of that is a lot of folks are holding on to an older era of the NBA community and culture, and it just seems like the Celtics organization is not holding on to that. You know, it, it's yeah. looking forward, it's looking at this this player centric league, and I don't think that that's as much of a bad thing as sometimes it's getting painted as. I think we're seeing empowered players, and I think as long as organizations are creating stable organizations and community focused cultures for their players to feel comfortable, to feel welcomed and supported, then they're going to have success and players are going to want to be there. Um, I, I just, I see this as nothing but good things for this organization. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a one that got away for you, like a coaching candidate that you would have preferred? I'm I'm hoping at some point we get a little bit more insight into what happened to Sam Cassell as a candidate, because not mm. only did he not really get discussed with regards to this open coaching vacancy, but his name hasn't really come up yeah. with regards to any of them. So I don't know if maybe he's just keeping a really low profile because he's got his own things that he's kind of leaning towards or aiming for, or if, if maybe he's just not feeling ready or, or others aren't thinking he's ready. I'm not sure, but I'm really curious to know what happened. Cause right off the jump, he's the first name everyone was talking about. And I was excited. Like everything that I was hearing and seeing really made him out to be a, a really prime and, and interesting candidate. Um, so I, I don't know that it's like one that got away necessarily, but I would really like to get more insight into what happened to his candidacy. Um, again, not just for the Celtics position, but, but all of these open vacancies right now. What'd you make of Jay Williams' take on the, this being the first African-American coaching appointment for the Celtics? <laughs> He's the clearly a consummate professional. <laughs> He's a consummate professional. There's that word again. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I had to bring it. Oh, man. So he, he got hacked, but noticed it within like five seconds and deleted it because he was so aggressively hacked. And then like, what, three or four hours later, you know, let everyone know that it was just a hack job. I mean, it was a hack job as far as take goes, but <laughs> yeah, I would like to break that down. Cause he mentioned, you know, he changed his passcode. So in that sense, <laughs> the hack means that someone gained physical access to his device, knew his passcode 
and then of all the things to do on his phone, went and reacted <laughs> to a brand new news item in sort of like a weirdly specific way. Like it's, it's such a obtuse way to troll somebody if you were to gain access to their phone. If I was to get access to Jay Williams' phone, you know, we've got this podcast going, I'd immediately be transferring his contacts <laughs> over to my phone so we can get some new guests on. Um, so many better things to do with that power. Um, so oh, very, it, very you know, unlikely story there from Jay Williams. It'd be one thing if he had a track record of having some solid takes, but he's just, he has been batting zero yeah, for a, bad a little while now. Yeah. It's, it's, it hasn't been real pretty for a lot of these ESPN talkers. Um, you know, it, it is what it is, but, um, yeah, it was, it didn't seem like a real solid job of trying to perform damage control in that one. Cause it doesn't seem like anyone's buying it. <laughs> yeah. Like just the deletion alone is like, okay, my bad. Like clearly that's an acknowledgement <laughs> of I was wrong. I'm removing this from Twitter. That's fine. Uh, talking about digging the hole deeper. Like, he's just making it so much worse. Yeah. Just own it. Be like, listen, I got really reactive and excited about, you know, Emei getting this opportunity. I haven't been watching the playoffs and, and clearly don't know anything about Doc Rivers as a coach and his history. You know, like, just own it, roll with it, accept the fact that sometimes you take an L and, like, we can respect that because people make mistakes all the time. Like, that's not such a big deal. But, you know, but the thing is, like, everything's on, like, you got to have this super shiny uh what like reputation you can't ever have a bad take or something it's like no like most of y'all are making your careers off having bad takes just own that stuff you know you get your facts wrong chalk it up i mean there's bad takes and then there's just like wrong takes and this was just completely (laughs) infactual that was a wrong take (laughs) not not a good look jay williams i um, I did like someone put out a tweet that that just completely schooled him uh shortly thereafter and just pointed out all of the different examples of um coaches black coaches throughout celtics history you know you know from bill russell to all sorts of different milestones that the organization has been a part of for you know empowering people of color in the nba mm-hmm. and it was after that that jay williams had to come out with his i was hacked tweet so again it's like weird timing um and I, if I were his PR person, but again, I'm not a PR person and I'll probably never get hired as a PR person. <laughs> so I could be totally off on this take, right? This is one that I'm probably not going to be the best advice for, but I would think he would have had a better shot just owning that and being like, listen, I just reacted too quickly and said something silly. I'm sorry. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where he takes it. If he, if he tweets out again, explaining the circumstances of the hacking, <laughs> yeah. my child, it's like you know, that movie swingers where the guy keeps calling over and over again. You, <laughs> yeah. you remember that flick? Yeah. <laughs> You're so money. Um, <laughs> you don't even know it. You're like this bear with these big, big claws. So the first thing I thought when I, I woke up to the news was like, okay, I want to know everything about Ime Adoka because we, we didn't really deep dive into any of the, the candidates because, you know, we ultimately knew that only one of them was going to be hired and therefore only one of them was worth doing any research on. We have our guy now. So I'm just going to run through the bio. This is all taken from his uh, Wikipedia page. So nothing fancy here, but Jason, just stopping along the way if you, if you notice any points of interest here. So he's 43 years old, was born in Portland, Oregon, he played for the Nigerian national basketball team. He did have an NBA playing career starting at what was then the D-League for the Charleston Logators, great name, in 2002. Uh, In 04, he was called up to play for the Lakers, but was waived shortly thereafter and went on to play a stint in Europe. So that was again at around 2004. He was then redrafted back into the D-League, this time for the Fort Worth Flyers. 
It was then signed by the New York Knicks in April of 2006, before again being waived in September 06. He was then invited to his hometown Portland Trailblazers training camp before the 06-07 season, where he impressed the coaching staff with his defensive skills and made the team. Back into the NBA. Uh, after having played in only 12 NBA games in his career, Adoka started in 75 games, played in the 2006-2007 season. He played 28.6 minutes per game while averaging 8.4, 8.4 points, 3.7 rebounds, and just under one steal. Um, he then went on to have a pretty successful NBA career as a defensive role player playing with the Spurs, the Kings, and the Nets before finishing up his playing career in Spain in 2012 then began his coaching career with the Spurs, of course, working under Greg Popovich and won a title with the Spurs against the Heat in 2014, and since worked as an assistant for the Sixers in 2019, the Nets in 2020, and he's now a head coach here in 2021. But interestingly, Adoka was also the key for the uh, Lamarcus Aldridge acquisition uh, for the Spurs in 2015. They both played together in Aldridge's rookie year back in, uh, in the Trailblazers days, so interesting stuff. Yeah, I remember reading the article on that and, you know, it, the the big the big thing for LaMarcus was a the fact that Udoka like took that extra time and gave him that extra attention. Like I think he flew out uh specifically just to see him. He's like, "What are you doing, man? Like you didn't have to come all the way out." He's like, "Yeah, I did. I wanted I wanted to talk to you like face to face on this thing." And then helped reassure Aldridge of what his role would be on that squad and and how he'd be utilized and um cuz I I guess that was part of LaMarcus's concern was if he was going to be able to still be the style of player that he had felt most comfortable being. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple a couple highlights uh, that stood out for me that have come up of recent, and you know, John Krause is one of the hardest working dudes in podcasting. <laughs> so like this guy's out there, like he's doing some deep dives. So shout out to John Corrales and locked on, uh, Celtics. Like he's like you the know, James Brown of Celtics podcasts. That, that man is working <laughs> overtime. Okay. Like I, I got it. Like, yeah, you got to give the guy credit. Um, but he, he, he brought up a couple of interesting points. One thing that, that came up on the sub though, that I wanted to to just bring up was i guess he was part of a, a european malice in the palace type situation where yeah. there was quite the brawl <laughs> and what stood out what stood out to me was the note from someone else's perspective that was reflecting on it and noted that uh not only was ime udoka just housing people uh and apparently like tallied one of the the higher body counts in that brawl but he was doing so very calmly <laughs> very calmly and almost politely so i like to know that if he's gonna whoop some ass like he's gonna do so with class you know, common like, crisis you know he's gonna keep his head about him he's only he's gonna handle this thing methodically um and then I, I liked the in the deep dive that that John Corrales was doing. Again, shout out to him and the work that he, he's doing on his podcast because I don't want to just totally bite off him. But um, he spoke to the the value of of the experience that he built up working with that San Antonio team and and being able to parallel that with the experiences that he's since seen in Philly. The the positive the positives and negatives there as well as what he's now seen over in New Jersey. Uh, most especially that San Antonio team that lost to Miami and then came back the next year with mm-hmm. a vengeance and, and got their win um, and got their chip. So having seen that kind of resiliency from a team that, that didn't meet that ultimate goal and then came back just as focused the next year and went after it again and got it. And then seeing teams fall short since like teams built with stars, right? That, 
had every reason to succeed and didn't quite get there. So he's got a really valuable perspective that I think is going to resonate really well with our, with our guys. Um, you know, cause they're hungry, you know, they're hungry. Tatum's mm-hmm. hungry. Yeah. Jalen's hungry. Marcus, that man is starving. <laughs> <laughs> Famished. Absolutely. I, uh, I, yeah, I love that he's worked for multiple organizations and, and has that, that sort of, um, well-rounded perspective there. I think that's really useful as opposed to having worked under the wing of some head coach in some organization for 20 years and never having worked anywhere else. I think that's really important. Um, I think we've pretty much covered everything. We've done the deep dive. We've done the bio cover jay williams we've done the initial reports so are there any other takes that you want to fire off here jay before we wrap this one up again i'm just i'm loving this dynamic that brad seems to be bringing you know i i love that the guy's just bringing that same even keeled he's it's like if you remember his first couple of years remember his tagline was kind of like keep hitting singles don't yeah. go for the home runs all the time <laughs> and like those teams were really successful like they were overachieving teams and it seems like he's taking that mentality into this like he's not hitting like grand slams necessarily but he's like just he's hitting these good singles solid singles getting on base and just moving along i'm loving it (laughs) and like the off season hasn't even started like who is this guy (laughs) (laughs) he's a new president he seems to be doing a good job (laughs) like he's like off season i don't need no stinking off season (laughs) in cricket we'd call that uh keeping the run rate ticking over just a few singles per over but jason you're new to the podcast you haven't heard jackson and joe and my own cricket takes too much yet and how they relate to the world of basketball but i look forward to uh to getting you familiar with that side of things um i'm looking forward to getting schooled (laughs) (laughs) look that's gonna do it for this one thank you for listening jason love your work mate thanks again appreciate you man all right well look i'm sure we'll be back with another pod soon given how much of a gunslinger president brad stevens is proving to be outside of that the tokyo olympics are now exactly one month away so we can expect some fresh tatum content in the near future until then go celtics peace Thank you.